welcome to the Acupuncture Outsider podcast. My name is Richard Hazel, and in the time it takes for you to commute to or from work, I hope to have shared something of interest about orthopedic acupuncture using motor points, trigger points, myofascial slings, uh, neurofunctional acupuncture, segmental treatments, anything that crosses my mind that seems to be of interest. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Acupuncture Outsider. This is Richard Hazel and today I want to talk about something that I've just been reading a whole lot about, uh, doing a lot of um, searching and reading of research and reviews of research on arthrogenic muscle inhibition. Um, they they abbreviated as AMI, and um, I may say AMI more than I say arthrogenic muscle inhibition, just because it's a big long term. But um, for those of you who are new to um, orthopedic acupuncture, I'll just give you a brief overview. And the research is typically done on quadriceps post uh, knee injury or knee surgery or knee replacement um, because it's the it's one of the I think more noticeable challenges in rehab after a knee injury or knee surgery. So so what it is, they'll do an electromyography reading of the quadriceps in their research. And what they find is that people have a harder time engaging the quadricep muscles after a knee injury or knee surgery. And what they're trying to understand so that they can better rehab it is the underlying mechanisms, the neurological issues that are causing AMI. And so in a, so I was reading review of research where I think they reviewed over 150 um, trials, uh, re, scientific research and, and trials, um, and, and they came to some conclusions. And so I just kind of wanted to share what I was reading because I originally, in the acupuncture world, had been hearing or just, I, I hear a lot of people speaking very um, authoritatively about arthrogenic muscle inhibition, and, and you'll, you'll hear people say that it's caused by pain chemicals that are inhibiting the neuromuscular communication. And while pain sometimes is uh, a factor in AMI, um, most of the research was done on people who are not in pain but were trying to rehab. So they did they did do research with on acute injury and acute pain, and they that those are the people who show the greatest amount of inhibition or AMI in the quadriceps. But there are plenty of people that one year out, two years out, three years out from ACL repair or other injuries or knee replacement still have AMI and they're not in pain. 
So there's more to it than to just say pain. Pain may be one of the um, initial factors, but when you look at the research, most of the research is drawing conclusions more to do with mechanoreceptors, the sensory motor system. So the sensory uh, input having more to do with AMI than just a motor nerve signaling issue. So, and a lot of the, one of the things they'll do is they'll test um, with healthy subjects who don't have any knee injury and they'll inject uh, fluid into the knee joint and then, and they'll use EMGs before and after. And they're, they're, what they're looking to see is if they've created AMI by, by basically duplicating what someone would have with inflammation in the knee. And they'll see AMI from their injections. They'll do their injections. And then they look at research at um, cortisone injections. Can cortisone injections into the knee um, or aspirating the, the knee and pulling fluid out of the knee improve AMI? And in some cases it does, in some cases it doesn't. And one of the cases it does not work is with osteoarthritis of the knee. But what cortisone injections do for rheumatoid arthritis of the knee is noticeable on AMI. So what they what they so when they do an injection with rheumatoid arthritis, they can see AMI improve. And of course, it's not long lasting because we're talking about an autoimmune issue. But what they also know is that it doesn't help with AMI when it's osteoarthritis of the knee. So there's still a joint inflammation, but it's a different mechanism. Um, the healthy subjects where they in inject fluid, they do reproduce AMI temporarily while there's while there's pressure on those um, mechanoreceptors in the knee. So they're they're looking at um, mechanoreceptors, the Golgi tendon organs and the tendon. They're looking at the the mechanoreceptors at the bone and the ligaments, and they're making some assumptions about um, that that sensory input um, causing. Um, inhibition of the muscle. Um, there are some theories about um, the gamma loop, which is the way the the motor neurons, the, the the alpha motor neuron that fires your skeletal muscle, the extrafusal muscles of of the muscle, and then you've got the the gamma motor neuron that that can contract the intrafusal muscles that are just in the muscle spindles. The muscle spindles are, are a sensory uh, organ that, that helps feel stretch in the muscle and allows us to um, contract at the same time with the, with the muscle spindle. And so there's, there's this co-contraction of the alpha and the gamma motor neurons that some of that is coming spinal segmentally and some of it is actually coming central nervous system. Um, but, but the, um, basically the, the muscle spindles need to contract at the same time as the muscle to maintain their ability to feel stretch. And then if you're stretching the muscle in a pleasant way, then the muscle spindle allows the stretch and inhibits the, um, motor function of the antagonist muscle to help improve your stretch. So while you're stretching your hamstrings, then your quads are supposed to be more relaxed or, you know, stretching your quads, then your hamstrings are supposed to be more relaxed. Um, however, if there's a, if there, if the 
muscle spindles uh, feel that you're going too far, then they react differently and then they can segmentally affect the the alpha motor neuron to increase tension in the muscle that you're stretching so that you don't rip it off the bone. And there's, you know, there's lots of research on that. And so they, they wonder if some of the motor inhibition in the quadriceps is being caused by some dysfunction of the gamma and, and, um, um, alpha, uh, motor neuron relationship. So they've looked at that and you know there it is possible that there is something going on there but um there's plenty of research that shows that there's no that you can you can still have this um AMI without a dysfunctional gamma alpha relationship. Um so they 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 look at that there most of the research though is assuming that a lot of the AMI is being caused by sensory input from mechanoreceptors. They just can't figure out if very consistently if it's you know mechanoreceptors from the joint, is it mechanoreceptors in the muscle spindle, is it all of the above? Is it sometimes one, sometimes the other? Um, it's very it's very difficult to to nail it down. So the research doesn't really know. But what they do know from research is that very consistently, if you have a, a knee injury or knee surgery, that you will have arthrogenic muscle inhibition of the quadriceps and at different degrees, different levels, and different levels based on chronicity, different levels based on the kind of injury that you had, um, based, uh, different levels based on how far out it's been since the injury or surgery um, because it does decrease the ami does decrease it's just what they find is that three years out they could you it, you will still have some and it, especially if it hasn't been rehabbed so it's to me this is very interesting because i you know as an acupuncturist i need to think about what am i doing that i could do better to try to improve the outcome and um, I, there is some research that shows um, healthy subjects and people with osteoarthritis of the knee, and they did muscle biopsies of both. And what they do see very consistently is that the gr the group with the osteoarthritis of the knee has shorter muscle fibers. So there is some shortening of the muscle cells. They are um, increasingly tighter, shorter. And of course, that's going to put more pressure on the joint because the quadriceps cross the knee. And so if you have shorter muscle fibers, the muscle may not feel like it has more muscle tone, but it is shorter. So you know, from, from what we know from Yonda, uh, there's, you know, we have tightness, weakness. So we have, if you have shorter muscles, then they're weaker than they would be if you got them back to a more elastic state. And, and I would use electric stimulation acupuncture to do that. Um, so I wonder if they need to start looking at more, look, look at doing more biopsies to understand the muscles 
uh, post-injury or surgery to understand if that AMI is in any way being influenced by muscle length. Um, so, and one of the things that the review of this in, of this research was showing is that there are some successful treatments for AMI, or they see some optimistic reason to use these methodologies. The three that they list that seem to be most promising are cryotherapy, which which only gives about a 20-minute window post-cryotherapy where there's less AMI, where someone would ideally activate and try to basically um, convince the nervous system to keep doing that properly. Um, and then they use TENS, which, you know, transcutaneous electric nerve stimulation and putting pads on the motor points of the muscles and then causing contractions. Um, they, they, and then that re does require a lot of treatment, a lot of regular daily treatment. And then they listed neuromuscular electric stimulation, which I was hopeful that they were using, you know, an invasive, like, you know, percutaneous um, stimulation, like with a needle, but they weren't. They're, they're using a, a device that basically it's doing, it's basically tens, but, but because the, the um, goal is nerve muscle stimulation, they're, they're not trying to do pain reduction where tens is meant to be pain reduction. That, so they changed the name, but it's the same thing. Basically, they're using electrics. They're using a device to stimulate the motor point, um, and to stimulate you know get muscle contraction, strong contraction. So basically, if we were to to take the our pointer plus or pointer XL and make it big, make it really big with a wide surface that you could put on the muscle on the quad. And then, and then stimulate it to get strong contractions of the quad. That's basically what they're doing, and and they and they see they see reasons to be optimistic, but but it requires multiple treatments per day over the course of multiple weeks. Um, and then those of us who use electric stimulation acupuncture, we believe that we see an improvement much faster than that based on patient feedback, and then because we don't have EMG devices in our office, it's really hard for us to validate that, that there is that benefit. We just, we go based on what our patients tell us and when our patients um, quality of life improves and they, and they have no more pain and they feel better. We, we take that as a win, um, but we don't have the research to say their AMI is greatly reduced or, or, or gone. Um, one other interesting thing that I noticed in the research was when they would do EMG testing before surgery and then after surgery for, let's say they were doing just one knee replacement, not both. They would replace one knee and then they would do the EMG. And they had done EMG on both sides to compare and see what the baseline was. So then, then they would do uh, another electromyography session post-surgically to see how much AMI had been produced by the surgery. And of course, they would see a great uh, increase in, in AMI and in inhibition so that the one that side would have a much harder time firing. But what they thought was interesting was that, that, the, that the better, the side that did not get surgery would also then have more AMI than it did before. So 
there is something very likely what they call like supraspinal. So it's not just spinal segmental from just like a stretch reflex sort of uh, inhibition. There's very likely something else going on that's causing an, an AMI on the side that did not have a surgery. And because of that, they caution that assessing AMI with just uh, muscle tests could be confusing because if you have a post-surgical patient who has inhibition in the quad on the side of knee replacement and you're making some assumptions based on their baseline that you get off of the opposite side, you may not spot the AMI uh, as well because both sides might test almost equal, but they both are actually inhibited. So unfortunately, we don't have EMGs in our office. Wouldn't that be great? I would love it. Even if it just surface EMG, you know, just let me play around and, and test out muscles. Um, but we don't. Um, but I found it really interesting. And for me, it's just important to realize when you start looking in the research, how little we actually know about what we say and about what our doctors say and how much they know um, because a lot of people say things with a lot of confidence <laughs> and then we just listen and we go, oh, okay, he's the expert and he's a doctor, so he knows. And um, it's just good um, for us to educate ourselves. And um, I don't want to sound, sound like people who say, I do my own research. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not, I'm not doing any research, okay? I'm just reading the research and I... <laughs> And um, and I'm still always looking for bias and I'm still trying to understand, you know, how um, people are analyzing the research. Um, and I'm and I'm not one of the people who would be arrogant enough to think that I know better. <laughs> um, the 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 to, the usefulness of it is to understand how much we don't know so that nobody can tell us for sure this is what's happening but also not but also understanding how much we don't know and allowing that to make us curious about um, trying something else that would be completely safe for the patient but that might also help for instance what if some of the ami is actually not just muscle shortening but maybe fascial adhesions. Maybe, maybe there's something going on. I'm just making this up because I just, as an example. But what if the pain of the, um, the injury and the surgery has tightened up the fascia of the leg and created uh, a condition that, that looks like muscular tension but really is tension of the fascia lata for instance i'm just i'm just making it up but you know i had i did have one patient this year that that was for certain the case but um but i'm not going to extrapolate that that's everybody uh but but you know it just it's good i'm just saying it's good for us to always think outside the box and within the realm of possibility and science and not i'm not saying we should do something unscientific um, 
just to see what would happen. Uh, but if if we can validate or justify our thinking within known science, it's always worth us trying something else. And for some people, you know, there's some research that's saying that that um, trigger points could be involved. You know, there could be because of the pain and overuse that there could be some myofascial restrictions and trigger points. And I'm always ready to look at that, of course. Um, and on some people, that, that is the case. I would definitely say that's the case on some people. And, and sometimes I think they go into the surgery with those myofascial restrictions that led to the knee pain and the knee deterioration and, the, the, and then possible replacement surgery, et cetera. And then they come out of the surgery and the, the joint looks great on an MRI, but they still have the muscular issues that led to the pain. And now it's our job as their acupuncturist to find that problem and correct it so that then they can have what would be considered a successful result. Um, many of us see the people after surgery who did not have, feel, they don't feel like they had a successful result. The surgery was actually successful. The MRI validates that the surgery was successful, but they're still in a huge amount of pain. And that's often because of imbalances in those muscles, muscles that can't fire and muscles that are very tight and short. And like I said, for some of them, it's fascia that needs to be resolved. Um, the, the, um, the fascia lata gets so tight like a sausage that it really inhibits their mobility and that that causes pain as well so um okay so i i probably rambled but i think it's just good to put out some ideas plant some seeds let people um, think about the same things that that the science is trying to figure out and see where you know see what they think i also think it's important for us to call out um, when we see anybody being dogmatic about something that science yet hasn't yet explained. So when somebody claims to know the cause of arthrogenic muscle inhibition, just in the back of your head, you know, remember that no matter how forcefully or confidently they are talking on the subject, it's always good for us to go back and, and look at the research and see what we actually can say is fact and and you know in the process we learn new things like i you know i wasn't clear about the alpha and gamma motor neurons and 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 their interrelationship and how that works until i saw one of the underlying cause causes of ami might be the gamma loop dysfunction and so in my head i'm like gamma loop dysfunction what is that? And so, you know, looking at research is, is, I just think it's great because it's going to lead you into a better understanding in general of the physiology of, of rehab and pain and, and mobility and how muscles respond to pain and how muscles respond to a mechanoreceptor uh, things like the stretch reflex. And anyway, um, so that's what I'm looking, that's what I've been looking at recently and I thought I would share it and um, hopefully this wasn't total stream of consciousness and it made some sense somewhere. Um, but 
Um, that's it for this week. Um, oh, let me just, uh, I don't know if anybody listened this long. Um, the, the new vo- uh, video motor point location guide for needling and location of motor points is on Podia, richardhazel.podia.com. Um, I'm very excited about it. I'm getting good feedback. I sent out, I sent, uh, I set up an email that's going to go out to people a week after they've had it to, um, ask for their input on what more I will be adding. I already have a list of things that I want to add to the course that everybody will get. Everyone who has the course will continue to get new updates, new videos, new, um, I'm going to have a section for nerve trunk stimulation. I'm going to add more of the suboccipital muscle. I'm going to, I'm going to add, you know, more of the intrinsic hand muscles. I'm just, I have a list in my head, but then I'm soliciting that from the people who already bought the course, um, to see what, how I can be of help to them. Um, because at the end of the day, the whole reason I'm doing this is to help people, especially new people who want to learn motor point location, needling, uh, understand safety, understand precautions, um, understand um, how to make it easier for themselves. Because in a lot of ways, after doing this for years, I, I've come across a lot of shortcuts to uh, motor point needling. You don't always have to be as exact as what the book might say. In fact, most of the times you don't. And um, knowing how you can color outside the lines a little bit um, will help in your location. So um, that's that. Uh, And uh, I hope you have a good week and I will talk to you soon. Take care.